Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And I'll just pray to get us started. Dear Lord, thank you for this night and thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come up here and preach your word. Please put your hand on me and on Luke and just have everybody here get something out of these messages. In your name I pray, amen. amen. So let's just read the passage in verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And I'll stop there. So, almost right away off the passage, we can see the younger son's problem. I think he had too much pride, and he thought he would be better off with his inheritance and without his father. He was pretty much telling his father that he'd be better off dead and without him. And tonight we're going to be looking at the three stages of his sin, the pleasure of his sin, the consequence of his sin, and the repentance of his sin. And so we can see, number one, the pleasure of his sin in verse number 13. Let's read it. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And the dictionary defines riotous as characterized by wild or uncontrolled behavior. So the pleasure of his sin, he enjoyed his money and, you know, Imagine he was partying, the drinks were always on him, you know, he always brought a real good time with all of his money that he has now. But the downside of sinning, there's always a consequence to that sin. And sin doesn't always last very long, there's always a punishment for it. And we can see that in Hebrews 11 verse 25, you can turn there if you want. And it says, Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So the Bible says sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. It doesn't last very long, and there's always a punishment to sinning against God. So we can see the pleasure of his sin. He enjoyed it for a little bit. He was always the good time. You could always count on him for drinks, but it didn't last very long, and he's going to get punished for it. And we can see my second point, the consequence of his sin. Sin is nice in the moment, but there's always going to be a downside to it. And we can see that in verse 14. I lost my place. Hang on. And it says, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. So... He spent all his money. He had a good time sinning, but it didn't last very long. He enjoyed it, and there's a downside to it. So now he has nothing, and we can see this in verse 15 and 16. 
what he resolves to do after he spent all of his money and there's a famine and now he needs food and he has nothing left and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him to the fields to feed the swine and what he would fain have filled the bellies with the husk of the swine did eat no man gave unto him so he has nothing and now he wants to eat what the pigs ate and i imagine when you're thinking of a pig some of you might think like cute little baby pigs and i think i have a picture of what you're thinking of <laughs> You're thinking he's eating after that, but I imagine what he's actually eating after is something kind of like that. <laughs> really just nasty, you know. You'd never want to. No, it's just so gross. It probably smells terrible, too. So, you know, he wants to eat what the pigs eat, but no man gave unto him. That's probably what he was eating. It's gross, man. <laughs> So he wasted all his money, and now there's nothing left, and we can see that that's the consequence to his sinning. Now he's broken as nothing. So let's read verse 17 through 19 now to see what he resolves to do. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." So he realized his father's servants are in better shape than he is after trying to eat with the pigs and realizing that his father's servants get food and he's just, he has nothing left. So he wants to go to his father and apologize and has to be one of his servants. His father doesn't have to accept his request. His father could have him stoned, for, stoned and killed for disrespecting him back then. But let's see the father's response in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So the father was waiting for him, and it says he saw him a great way off and ran to greet him. So it seems like the father was waiting, probably knowing the son was going to return after sinning and partaking in those activities. And it says he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him after spending all that time with the pigs. Like, that just shows how much love the father has for him. The son's all gross and dirty, and, but the father still loves him and still is willing to take him back. And let's read verse 21, the son, what the son says to the father. And, it said, said unto, and the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. And the father responds, not to his son, but he says to his servants, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. So the son apologizes and says he's not worthy enough to be called his son. But the father calls to his servants to bring forth the best clothes, to put rings on his hand and new shoes on his feet. And that's pretty generous. The father willingly loves him and welcomes him back after all, this, after all what the son did to him. And that brings to point number three, the redemption of his sin. Let's read verse... 23 through 24. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is now found. And they began to be merry. So the father welcomes him back with love. We can see the pleasure of his sin. The son got his inheritance and his money and decided to leave his father. And he blew it all on sinful activities. He enjoyed it for a little while. He always had the parties and all the drinks, but it didn't last very long. And we can see the consequence of his sin. After he wasted all his money and possessions and inheritance, he got punished for it. And he had nothing left. And he's trying to eat after the pigs. He just he had nothing left. 
And after he confessed his sin, he returned to his father and asked to be a servant. The father accepts his apology and takes him back as a son instead of a servant. He completely forgives him. And this passage and this part reminds me that God cares for us and really loves us. As long as we're willing to confess our sins and come forward and ask to be clean, he's more than willing to accept us back with love and you know, kindness. The father is always willing to forgive us of our sins as long as we ask for forgiveness. And I'm going to close in prayer. Dear God, thank you for giving me this opportunity to preach tonight. Please have my words stick with these people, and please just have them take something back from it, and just have them go home tonight with something for my message, Lord. Please put your hand on Luke as he prepares to preach, and just watch over us through the rest of the night. Amen. 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 I love those pictures, you know, the first one. You think, oh, yeah. And truthfully, when we think of pigs, sometimes that's what we think of. These cute, no. You know, it's a great message for us to remember. You know, there's a God out there, and, you know, when we mess up, when we do wrong, and, and you know, it, the Bible talks about, you know, how sin is pleasurable, and the, the son got to enjoy his sin, but he also got to pay the consequences for his sin. And you know what? But even though he, he sinned against God, God was willing to forgive him. Now, that, that doesn't mean he didn't have to pay his consequences. When we sin, we get the consequences. But you know what? There's a loving God who cares for us enough. He's willing to forgive us. That was a great message, Mason. Good job. All right, turn your Bibles to James chapter 4, and we'll be reading verses 6 through 8. So first, I want to start off by telling you all, I have a problem. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pastor's kid problem, okay? I don't know whether I should call my dad pastor or daddy. Which one? That's, that's the hardest thing as a pastor's kid is, which one? Daddy or pastor? Especially from behind the pulpit. All right, um, James chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting us um, preach tonight and letting us teens take over the service. And um, give me the words to say and hide me behind the cross, Lord. And um, dear Jesus, amen. So the title of my message tonight is Accepting God's Grace. So um, part of that is grace. The main part of that is grace. So um, what is grace? The, um, so as Pastor Tomlinson said uh, last Sunday night, an acrostic for grace is God's righteousness at Christ's expense. So it's free. So, and then the dictionary definition is grace is God's free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. So you notice the word free in here, and in the song we just sung, it was the uh, free bestowal of uh, grace. I think I did not say that right, but it was in there, bestowal of grace. Um, so it's free. God doesn't 
ask you to earn it anyway. All he asks you to do is believe. And you see this in several verses, such as Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift. God wants to give it to you. So I'm not trying to teach you how to get grace like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to earn grace. You, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you need to accept grace. Um, so I'm going to give you three truths on accepting God's grace. First of all, we'll see here, be humble before God. So if you see in verse 6, you see, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So one of the main words in here is resisteth. God resisted the proud. So in order to be humble before God, we need to know what this, like God resisted the proud. So I'm going to show you, give you a visual reference of resistance. So um, Mason and Jaden, if you could come up here real quick. And I've got a football, so sorry, ladies, this is a football um, reference, so sorry about that. Um, so, Jaden, if you could come stand over here. And then I'm going to try to get to the quarterback. Mason will be the offensive line, and I, or yeah, offensive line, and I'm the defensive line trying to get to the quarterback. So, I'm trying to get there. Mason here is resisting me. He's opposing me. He's not letting me get to the quarterback. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. <laughs> so you see here, uh, Sean's definition is, um, it means to range oneself against to oppose. So you have to oppose um, proud, being proud. And as you saw in Mason's message, um, that the son was very proud. He disregarded his dad. He said he was pretty much dead by saying that he wanted his inheritance. That is very prideful, and that's why he started down the route of sin. And he didn't, he ended up with God's grace, but that was because he went back to God and his father. And then secondly, we see here, you have to be obedient to God. So if you see here in verse 7, you'll see, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you need to submit to God, obey God. And for us teens, we need to submit to our parents, and all the parents said? Amen. Especially mine. <laughs> and... So, but for the adults in here, which is most of the room, you need to submit to your bosses, to um, your authority, such as your pastor, um, and God, the ultimate authority. And then thirdly, we see here being close to God. So draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So you have to be close to God. As you see here in the first part of the verse, it says, draw nigh to God. So first you have to cleanse your hands, as you see in the middle of there, the verse there. 
So that means you need to get rid of all sin. But um, so if we have sin in our lives, we go close, closer to God, right? No, no. Somebody said right, you were wrong. <laughs> you grow farther apart. You, you, you know my dad has that illustration where he has my mom come up and he draws closer to her and she, and that's his favorite illustration. But <laughs> it actually happens. When you have to start the walking, you know. God will take a step towards you when you take a step towards him. He, he doesn't... He wants to come towards you, but you have to make the decision because he gave you that free um, choice. So you have to choose to come towards him. And as you can see here um, in Romans 6, 1 through 2, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You know, a couple months ago, my dad had both these chairs and was chained to them. You remember that? And he was talking about being dead to sin. You can unlock the chains. God unlocked the chains for you. But you need to walk away instead of just standing there. You need to walk away from your old life and continue in God. You can't do both. And in the second part of this verse, you see you have to purify your heart. So it says um, in here that um, purify your heart. Let me see here. You sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So purity in marriage is the same as in the church because we're the bride of Christ, right? So we need to stay faithful to God. So Mason Jaden, can you come up back up? <laughs> Man, I, this is a physical message here. <laughs> so when you're staying faithful to God, you can't be double-minded. So if you'll both grow, grab onto my arms, who do you think is stronger? Just real quick. Jaden? Okay. So then, Jaden, you're going to stand. just stand there. Don't pull me. Just hold me there, okay? Then Mason, you're going to pull me. Pull me. So, okay, you guys can be seated again. <laughs> so Mason pulled me. So Mason was representing the world. The world is pulling you towards it. The, Jesus, God, is standing there. He wants you, but again, you have to make that free choice to accept God's grace. So he wants you, but he'll, he'll let go and let you go towards the world if that's what you really want. But when you go towards the world, it'll be like the sun in the lost sun, um, where you go and then you start sinning, and then you end up poor, eating pig slop. And it's not pretty, as you saw. <laughs> and so just um, stay faithful to God. And don't be double-minded. Don't be thinking, oh, I want to be with God and, ch and the world. I can't hold on to church and be holding on to all my sin. Eventually, one will have to go. And usually, it ends up being church or God, which it's God, but the church is where you go to learn about God. So 
that's the three ways you can accept grace is to to be humble before God, to be obedient to God, be close to God, and under being close to God, we need to cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for letting me be able to preach tonight. Help the teen dessert auction to go well tonight. Um, and dear Jesus, amen. amen.